It's time for the Ship Report, the show about all things maritime. I'm Joanne Rideout. It's Tuesday, November 22nd, 2016. We have 20 vessels on today's Columbia River ship schedule. In our marine weather forecast, we have a small craft advisory for winds in effect through this afternoon. And today we'll talk about yesterday's earthquake off the coast of Japan. It generated a small local tsunami there, but nothing that impacted the U.S. We'll talk a little bit more about earthquakes and tsunamis in just a moment. But first, let's take a look at our Columbia River ship schedule. We have seven inbounders, we have nine in the Astoria anchorage, and we have four outbound ships heading downriver and out to sea. Our first arrival in the river is the Interlink Quality. She's arriving from offshore, headed for Vancouver to pick up wheat. She'll pass Astoria around 5.30 a.m. and arrive in Vancouver around 11.30 a.m. The Maratha Promise is arriving from Japan, headed for Longview's anchorage. She's going upriver to pick up wheat. She'll pass Astoria around 9 a.m. and arrive in Longview around 12.30 p.m. The Salford K is arriving from South Korea, headed for Astoria's anchorage. She'll arrive there at about 12.30 p.m. and stay until about 3 p.m. when she'll head up to Portland to pick up soda ash at the Port of Portland, arriving there at about 9 p.m. The Star Markela is uh, arriving from South Korea, headed for Astoria's anchorage. She'll be headed for Kalama eventually to pick up uh, corn, soy, or wheat, but she'll arrive in Astoria's anchorage and drop her anchor there around 1.30 p.m. today. The Kensei is arriving from South Korea. She's headed for Astoria's Anchorage. We'll be arriving there um, around 3.30 p.m., but she'll eventually head up river and pick up wheat. The Eastern Asia is arriving from San Francisco, headed for Vancouver, Washington. She's going to a berth that handles bentonite clay. She'll pass Astoria around 4.30 p.m. and arrive in Vancouver around 10.30 p.m. The T.Y. Point is uh, arriving from Seattle, headed for Vancouver's Anchorage. She's going to the Port of Portland eventually to pick up soda ash. She will pass Astoria around 6 p.m. and arrive in Vancouver around midnight. In the Astoria Anchorage, we have the Iolcos Commander headed for Kalama to pick up corn, soy, or wheat. She'll be departing from Astoria's Anchorage around 1.30 p.m. and arriving in Kalama by about 6.30 the Salford K is, uh, I've mentioned her before, she's going to be headed from to Portland to pick up soda ash around 3 p.m. The Fu Min is awaiting orders along with the Nirefs, the Simona Energy, the Saddler's Wells, the La Bamba, the Zhang Zin Pearl, and the Belnor. All those vessels are awaiting orders. And we have more room in the Astoria Anchorage these days with that extra anchorage area up by Rice Island past Tongue Point. So there are, there's more room for more ships to anchor in the Astoria area when they come into the river. In our outbounders, we have the Overseas Boston uh, departing today, um, Portland, from Portland. She's a petroleum tanker, leaving around 1 p.m., passing Astoria outbound around 7 p.m. The Glovis Sunrise is leaving Portland uh, carrying Hyundais. She's a brand new uh, car. She's she's a car carrier with brand new Hyundais on board. Could also be um, Fords there, I think instead of Hyundai's. I think the Hyundai's come in and the Fords go out. I'll have to check my notes on that. But at any rate, we do have some uh, ships coming in with Asian cars on board and leaving with American cars going to Asia. So that's kind of interesting. Leaving around 3 p.m., passing Astoria outbound around 9 p.m. The ADS Arendel is leaving Kalama carrying corn, soy, or wheat, leaving around 4.30 p.m., passing Astoria outbound around 9.30 p.m. And the Thrasher is our final outbound ship of the day so far, leaving Portland carrying wheat, at about 4.30 p.m., passing Astoria outbound around 10.30 p.m. 
and a little more about our marine weather forecast. In addition to that small craft advisory we have uh, through this afternoon, we have south winds today in the forecast, 20 to 25 knots, easing to 15 to 20 knots in the afternoon, but gusts as high as 30 today, so it's going to be windy. Wind waves from the south, 6 feet high at 7 seconds between wave crests, and west swells, 7 feet at 9 seconds between waves, and rain is in the forecast, so it's going to be a gusty, rainy day today. Well, today I thought I'd talk with you about an earthquake that occurred yesterday near Japan. It was 6.9 magnitude right off the coast in the same general area where the uh, 2011 earthquake occurred. It was seven miles deep. It caused a tsunami wave there, a local one, that was predicted to be up to 10 feet high in some places. It did not cause any tsunami warnings or alerts for the U.S. West Coast. But I thought it would be helpful in light of this, since it does kind of uh, send kind of some emotional shockwaves to all of us to hear this kind of thing happening there again. I thought it would be helpful to do a little review about earthquakes and especially tsunamis and how they are generated. So how do earthquakes generate tsunamis? Well, tsunamis result when water is pushed around in large quantities in the ocean from energy that's released in an earthquake. The most destructive tsunamis are generated by large, shallow earthquakes with an epicenter or, f or fault line that is near or on the ocean floor. Now, the epicenter is the center of where the energy is released from the earthquake. These um, usually occur in regions of the Earth that are characterized by what's referred to as subduction along tectonic plate boundaries. Now, here in the West Coast, we hear that term subduction zone a lot relating to the earthquake potential that we have here off the West Coast. And what does that term mean? The subduction zone is the place where two geologic plates come together, one riding over the other. You understand the concept that the Earth's crust is a series of, of plates that are sort of moving near one another. And sometimes one will get pushed underneath the other and it creates tension. And when that tension is released, it can cause an earthquake. So the high seismicity of that region, the high potential from that region, a region like ours and like the coast off the coast of Japan, is caused by the collision of those tectonic plates, um, one diving underneath the other from the pressure. When these plates move past each other or underneath each other sometimes, they can cause large earthquakes which tilt, offset, or displace large areas of the ocean floor from a few kilometers to as much as a thousand kilometers or more. Now, the sudden vertical displacement over these large areas can disturb the ocean's surface, it can displace water, and it can generate destructive tsunami waves. The waves can travel great distances from their source. For example, the great 1960 Chilean tsunami was generated by a magnitude 9.5 earthquake that had a rupture zone of over a thousand kilometers. Its waves were destructive not only in Chile, but also as far away as Hawaii, Japan, and elsewhere in the Pacific. Now, it should be noted that not all earthquakes generate tsunamis. We see that all the time. An earthquake will happen, and there will be no resulting tsunami there. So one does not necessarily cause the other. Usually, it takes an earthquake with a Richter magnitude exceeding 7.5 to produce a destructive tsunami. Now, an another point to keep in mind is that the, the destructive power of an earthquake also has a lot to do with how far below the surface it occurs. So a 7.5 earthquake near the surface is far more likely to possibly generate a tsunami than one that is, say, 23 miles below the surface, which often happens as well. Most tsunamis are generated by those shallow, great earthquakes that happen at those subduction zones. More than 80% of the world's tsunamis occur in the Pacific along its ring of fire subduction zones, which line, form a circle um, that includes the U.S. West Coast and go, it goes across to Asia. <laughs> 
When a great earthquake ruptures, the faulting can cause vertical slip that is large enough to disturb the underlying ocean, and that is part of what causes that tsunami that will travel outwards in all directions from um, where the earthquake happens. And so when it happened off Japan in 2011, a big tsunami went um, onto the, the land, but it radiated out in all directions, and a smaller, much, much, much smaller tsunami wave reached the west coast of the United States. You've been listening to The Ship Report, the show about all things maritime. I'm Joanne Rideout. Information in this report came from the International Tsunami Information Center website and the United States Geological Survey. Thanks for listening to The Ship Report. You can find a podcast of this program at shipreport.net. Have a great day. <laughs>